Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. I believe this is show number 48. We're getting quite near that cricket landmark of the half century so I'm a bit excited about that. For those of you that don't know about cricket, it's a unique kind of a game but we love it over here. Anyway, uh, how you doing Graham? I'm doing very well, thank you, Aid. Uh, um, I don't love cricket. When I throw that straight out there, um, never understood the point of it. But uh, no, I'm all good. A little weary, as I've mentioned uh, before this month. It is the silly season for me at the moment, so my work is keeping me rushed off my feet. But I'm not complaining because the weather's been lovely, apart from when it's occasionally rained on me. So yeah, life is good. <laughs> okay, and have you recovered from the whiplash of having Justin on as our guest last week? <sighs> That was great. I I listened up back to that show again, and um, I was saying to you before we got on, for anybody listening who is for for whom English is maybe not a first language, he goes at such a speed that whilst you can always follow what he's talking about, you can so easily miss just the very quick little witty asides he throws in there. Um, it was a very fun conversation. And it was, yeah, I I hope that maybe at some point in the future we can find some reason to drag him back on again. But it was great. And especially in the run-up to World Pinhole Day, um, I'm sure he was pretty busy getting all his stuff in order. So it was great that he found the time for us. It was, it was. And actually, uh, from the social medias and whatnot, uh, over the last week, uh, I have heard uh, that actually he's inspired a number of our friends uh, to do some interesting stuff in the name of World Pinhole Photography Day, which, of course, was yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I saw much the same thing on Instagram. Um, Lots of people saying how much they enjoyed hearing what you had to say. And I think it was just perfect timing to make people think, yeah, pinholes are fun. Let's get out there and do this. I I know lots of our listeners will be doing stuff anyway, but I I don't think anyone could fail to be inspired by Justin's enthusiasm for the subject. Uh, absolutely not absolutely not certainly got me uh thinking about stuff um and i did actually i've now shot two rolls of film uh through the ondo pinhole camera that you kindly lent me uh some of which is definitely inspired uh if not downright derived <laughs> from stuff that justin said uh, especially where i started pinging some flashes around so um uh, i haven't sent those off to the lab yet but i will be doing that uh, cause of course it's a bank holiday so there's no post today in the uk but i shall be doing that as soon as i can and uh, really looking forward to seeing what i get back so i'd love to hear what you were doing with flash because i have never tried using i really want to I, that is next on my list of things to try with them um, doing any pinhole work but what were you doing what were you shooting and how are you doing it good question uh i only uh did uh two or three shots i think uh with flash uh but i did give it a shot as it were uh so the the thing is right the thing well the thing that started me off was that justin said uh you can of course use flash and of course he has a lot of his um mouth camera stuff uh is actually shot on flash as he was telling us about last week so i thought okay well I, you know what i know how to use flash um that's quite straightforward and it is of course quite straightforward in the sense that um uh, doing exposures or calculating exposures for flash is easier than calculating exposures uh for normal ambient light 
because uh, you don't have to worry about the shutter speed. Uh, because the pop of the flash is way shorter than any shutter speed, especially on pinhole, <laughs> all you've got to worry about is the ISO and the aperture. Now, the aperture, of course, on pinhole is where it starts to get a little bit more complex um, because not many flashes can light a subject to F133. <laughs> <laughs> Most will manage about F16 on a good day. So uh, what I did was I set up a little uh, still life scene on my desk here, which basically is a collection of rubbish. But, um, you know, if the pictures come out, I shall share them. And uh, what ha what I did was put some stuff in front of it and made sure I got the flash uh, quite close as well uh, and on full power. And I did a rough calculation of how many full power pings I'd need from my flash. I think it turned out to be about four or something like that, full power flashes and just you know pinged away and uh then closed the pinhole so um uh, all i did really and uh, um i know justin was talking about a uh a, what is it, a, a, an optical slave uh, arrangement with two flashes and because i was shooting something that wasn't moving i just had the luxury of pinging it more than once um so i took my fl uh, flash put it up to uh, full power, uh, held it in my hand, pointed it in the right direction and pressed the test button. <laughs> Actually, no, tell you a lie, I didn't hold it in my hand because I was using it more than once. I stuck it on the little, you know, the little plastic stands that they come with and I popped it on the desk next to all the rest of the stuff I was actually taking a photograph of and then I made sure that it wasn't moving so that the shadow should be reasonably similar for the various different pops of the flash. And that's all I did. That sounds awesome. I, I'm really, I always struggle a bit to figure out any of this flash stuff, um, which is why I tend to steer clear a bit because I'm always worried I'm going to nause it up completely. Um, but I am really excited to see what you've got from that. I What I think I want to try um, with pinhole and flash is something I was... I, didn't ask Justin about, uh, to be honest, we didn't have time to, but I, it slipped out of my mind, is one of the other projects that he's done in the past, I think, particularly when he's been working with students and stuff, is something that he calls awfulograms. I think that's what they're called. Um, mm -hmm. And these are portraits that he's made, um, or portraits that himself or the other people involved in it have, have made, using, I think it's probably his beer can pinholes. Um Oh, but because they are um, the beer cans, obviously is wrapped around the papers wrapped around on the inside. So you've already got this very curved plane, and then you get the subjects to get right up close to it, so that their face is like right there. Pull a face and then ping the flash, and you get these incredible. <laughs> pictures um some grotesques i think would be the best way of describing them and uh, definitely not the most flattering photo you're ever going to get but i'm really quite keen to have a go with that because the good thing is i can try that out in an almost instant photo sort of way because i can get the set get it set up get my trays ready chuck some paper in ping it develop it see how it's come out and tweak from there um so yeah i'm going to give that a go very very soon that sounds good. Actually, I, I did take some portraits, actually, uh, yesterday with the pinhole. Uh, I'll tell you more about that in a minute. How, how about you? How did you get on for World Pinhole Day? Uh, disappointing, I suppose. I, 
I really hoped to get more done than I did, but um, this week, as I was <laughs> telling you before we started recording, has just been a week of chaos here. I had uh, a delightful but unexpected family visit and um, just all sorts of stuff going on, which kind of crippled my free time a little bit. And so I wasn't able to get as creative as I wanted to. Um, that said, I still have some ideas. I, I came up with a great idea towards the end of last week that I'm definitely going to do, but um so I found myself on Sunday morning in a situation where um, I didn't have a camera ready to go. I mean, I had I got a, a 35 milliliter, milliliter? Yeah, because it's filled with water. Actually, <laughs> the smallest beer is, can ever. <laughs> oh God, you know, I see I, that is a, a technically a slip, although I did take that camera out on um I think it was last Wednesday, I had a camera club meeting and I thought, I'm going to take my 35 millimeter SLR camera out and, um, and taking on board what Justin said about, you know, get low. Okay, I'm going to try that. And I want to try and get the reflections in the puddle. And somebody else was trying to do the same thing and so they got real low with their digital camera. So I thought, I can go one better than that and just kind of put my camera in the puddle. Um, <laughs> and then there was water pouring out of it for quite some time afterwards. So I don't think I did that any favours, but it was an old and thoroughly knackered um spotmatic that wasn't functioning anyway so these, these are all my provisors for why it was okay for me to put in a puddle um but anyway apart from that camera so on the sunday i had made a couple of uh the beer can solograms which i set up in one of my clients gardens to try that out um but i wanted to make a pinhole camera so i uh, hunted around for something that i could easily do and nothing immediately sprang to mind so i picked up a camera that I think I bought or had just received possibly on the first or second episode of this show we ever did um, way back when I bought the debonair which was an immediate dud with that camera came this French Bakelite camera called the Unifex Unifex <laughs> I, I remember the name I don't recall what you ever said about it but I do remember the name it's um it's kind of a it's a very basic camera um it's a bakelite body and uh single shutter speed um couple of apertures but very much uh, the functionality of a box brownie but in a different shape um and you can i i i, I don't know whether it was meant to be for focusing on quite what it was meant for but you could kind of push the front in and out a little bit but there was no measurements on it to adjust that anyway I thought, well, that could be quite good. So, because it was quite easy to unscrew and remove the lens and the shutter mechanism, and the shutter doesn't work properly on it either. So that was neither here nor there. Um, and I put a pinhole on it, and got it all organised and ready. Made a very simple shutter for it, just using a flap of cardboard. And I thought, great, this is going to take nice one twenty, and it's even got. A slightly curved back, uh, odd but great. This is fantastic. And just as I was about to throw a roll of film in and walk out the door, um, I learnt that the camera. I mean, I'm not sure how old this camera is, but it's it's pretty old. Um, was designed for using metal spools on the 120 film, right. not plastic. And those plastic spools are just a tiny, tiny bit thicker, a bit longer, because their plastic isn't as thin as the metal, wouldn't fit in. No. Less, less than a millimetre out would not fit in. Um, so, oh, God, what? 
I didn't have time to respool it onto a metal reel. And I thought, what can I do? What can I do? So I, in the end, I just shoved it in a roll, 35 millimeter, and taped it to the roll. And, oh, that'll fit. <laughs> Jam it shut. Close the door. Walk out. Um, so uh, I've taken, I think, so far one, maybe two pictures with that yesterday. But I'm going to give that a go. So, yeah, that was about all I actually managed to get to do on World Pen the whole day was start off a couple of solograms, um, solar cams rather, and, um, and make this uninspiring but you know we'll, we'll see what comes out of it should we give a nice panoramic view on the 35 millimeter film anyway um but i haven't given up on my vegetable camera idea and i have had another idea since then um i just need to do it but i'm mm, i was gonna say i'm hoping this week's gonna be easy but we're already at monday and i've got going away at the weekend so maybe the week after will be when these things get done <laughs> well i tell you what you know let's not um make uh, make it too small an achievement i mean if you've started off two beer can cameras i mean i know you're not going to be have them ready in time for next week's show or anything like that but hey you know, you know it wouldn't be the first time we've started off an initiative on this podcast and failed to follow through for months on end would it but that's the- true but anyway, um, the I think the you know let's let you know you started off to beer can shots. That's a good thing, you know. And we'll see what happened in the fullness of time when they they uh, you know from little acorns and that they'll grow and uh, and uh, you'll have something to share. I think that's a good thing. Well, my my intention is to actually get um, at least one or two of these solograms in every one of the gardens I look after. That's what I want to do. I think the one thing I did find. Uh, when I was setting them up yesterday, um, is that positioning them is trickier than you think because you need something to fix it to, obviously, um, and you want to try and get the subject in the in the picture, but also you want to think about, well, where's the sun going to be tracking? Because ideally you want it to be kind of facing basically south so you get the full arc of the sun in it. Um, and, yeah, I've spent quite some time wandering around the garden going, what? What can I fix this to? Um, so uh, that's why I think I'm going to go with a couple in each garden to try and raise the chance of something coming out that looks decent. But um, it, it gave me a greater appreciation for uh, the skill in getting a good solargram versus just getting a solargram. Because like you know, the, the the ones we think of when we think of the ones like Justin's done of the Clifton Suspension Bridge that is a perfectly framed picture with the the trails of the sun perfectly and arcing over the the um bridge and that's not something that just happened by luck and chance that's a really carefully thought out picture um so yeah definitely something i have a greater appreciation for now i've tried it myself (laughs) well good to hear good to hear we'll see i look forward to seeing what's going to happen with that and uh you know i think the longest exposure i've done is uh i th- did i do one that was maybe i don't know a minute long or something like that i think i might have done um or maybe e- even a bit longer than that can't remember i was doing some stuff inside i was around at, um my folks house yesterday there was, there was a bit of a family gathering yesterday so i did a couple that were outside in the garden and lo- loads of kids running around and playing and and stuff like that but uh yeah so some of the stuff out in a in a reasonably you know bright garden and then i did some indoors which were you know much longer exposure times actually i tell you what i do need to do uh i must not forget to do this i must say thank you to twitter and by which I mean 
a great number of people on Twitter because I, uh, I I ended up thinking about, oh, I'm going to take some shots inside. I need to worry about reciprocity and blah, blah, blah. And, of course, I said, so I, I put a ping out on Twitter and said, look, you know, I'm going to be shooting some ectar and a pinhole camera tomorrow. You know, anybody, you know, got any, anybody got any advice on reciprocity? Because I could you, fu- hang on, before you go on, could you just, um, for the listeners that might not know, can you just explain what reciprocity is, please? <laughs> I'll give it a shot. So, um, basically, as I understand it anyway, and this is very much in layman terms, uh, the longer you expose a piece of photographic film for, the slower it gets. Uh, and when you are doing long exposures, you have to take account of the fact that the film slows down. So, uh, you know, if you're taking that, you're out there snapping a sh- snapping shots, you know, whatever kinds of shots they are out in the daytime or with a flash, or whatever, and you've got, uh, you know, your shutter speeds are, you know, a hundredth of a second or a two hundredth of a second or whatever it might be. Um, you never need to worry about that because the film is good it'll stick it to its box speed for that amount of time but when you start looking at things like 30 seconds in a minute or more then actually that that length of exposure gives the film time to slow down and so you need to take account of that and that's what i was asking the internet about because it turns out that um, kodak don't actually post um, make available publish i should say uh, a, a graph of how you need to alter the time for their ektar 100 film have i got that right yeah, no, I, I, I think so. The, the reason I asked you, is I don't know whether you remember, but many moons ago, <laughs> I tried to explain what reciprocity failure was, <laughs> and, it, and I made a real dog's dinner of it. So I wanted to see if you'd fall into the same trap. But no, I think you're absolutely right. I think it is basically um, that with the slower shutter speed, the the light, the reaction that the chemicals have, the silver halides have with from the light. It, doesn't stay permanently so they sort of they start switching back off again because there's not enough light hitting them quickly enough so yeah um and it's what you do run into with most films not all films but most films suffer from some degree of reciprocity failure yes so i was asking uh the good folks of twitter how i might deal with that um and i got a lot of really really good advice so this was all on saturday time i was like oh yeah actually i haven't thought this through have i right i'm going to be taking photographs indoors i might have exposures around 30 seconds or or what what do i do uh and so that was fine uh everybody helped out and i got a range of uh, things uh i mean there are um people who said that well okay for anywhere between like one second and 30 seconds uh, double it you know add a stop of exposure uh and uh then uh for longer than that longer than a minute add two stops so okay that's a good rule of thumb you know there, there are various you know variations on the on that theme that i could work with uh some people who published some tables from their own testing on the internet and stuff like that so you know basically um you know i everybody helped uh, a load and i really want to say thank you to everybody uh two kind of cock-ups i made though um first is uh, first off is i owe an apology to a fella called big head taco because when i put out <laughs> no no it's a real oh, name no. it's a real big name head taco. so actually big big head taco is um is actually uh, a fella who has his own uh youtube channel 
amongst other things, um, uh, in, in the photography space. Um, and uh, uh, what I'd done is I'd put out my plea for help inadvertently as a reply to him rather than <laughs> as a fresh tweet. So uh, he then got copied on a load of garbage that he wouldn't have been interested in. So I apologised to him and he was uh, uh, and he was good about it. Um, and then the other thing is, is that so having having sought all of this, uh, this wealth of advice, I went to my fridge on Sunday morning, opened it, and what should I see but a complete lack of ectar? <laughs> uh, you've done a me. This is what happens, Aid. You've taken up pen hole photography, and now you've started suffering from all the chronic things I suffer from in disorganisation terms. So, yes, quite possibly. Um, certainly, I was like, ah, oh, bugger. <laughs> all of that advice so what i did was i then uh uh after some uh thinking it through i thought well do you know what uh i'll grab a roll of portra 100 and stick that in it instead no not uh portra did i say 100 i meant 400 yeah whatever anyway i portra 400 um and uh yeah so i grabbed a roll of portra 400 stuck that in the camera and uh, then went on my merry way with my rules of thumb for reciprocity failure and, uh, you know, shot my way around the day uh, with my family. Some indoors, you know, uh, I, I say portraits, um, more pictures of people who are sitting still chatting to each other. So we'll see how those come out. Um, uh, and then some outdoor stuff as well, which might have some ghosts of children running around in the garden and things like that. So we'll see how those go. Got okay, two rolls of film now. Off to the lab. Got to find. Uh, Got to talk to my lab and make sure that they're happy to scan six by twelve negs rather than just you know six by six or whatever. And uh, we'll see where we get to. Uh, that's awesome. It sounds like you've had a lot of fun with it. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, it's amazing how forgiving the film is. Reciprocity, reciprocity failure. It's amazing how quickly that can whack up exposure times. Um, it's amazing. You, you go, okay, let me just calculate. This is what light meter reading is, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I need to leave this for uh, eight hours. Okay, um, I'll be back later then. So it can climb. The one thing it's worth knowing, and this is, uh, I've got one roll of film left, and this is the one roll I was going to shove into my Unifix um, before it didn't fit, is a Neopan Acros 100 does not suffer from reciprocity failure, at least um, not at any speeds you're likely to use. Maybe if you get into super, super long um, shutter times, maybe it does. But uh, it's a really good one for using with pinhole photography just because it does not suffer from that. So uh, well worth knowing about. And that is still available, isn't it, um, at Cross 100? I was just about to ask you that. I think it's still available and still manufactured. Uh, but, you know, more. I've said things on this podcast before that have turned out to be slightly less than accurate. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the 100 is the only... Um, let's have a look. Oops. Let's, let's uh, go to the uh, internet. Across 100. Uh, yeah, I, the first thing that's coming up is not discontinued. So, um, yeah, it does still seem to be available. So that's good. And it's a really nice film as well. I really like Across. It's a nice contrasty film. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan. I did wonder whether I should shoot uh, Black and White, actually. Um, and uh, and I thought, you know, no, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for colour because, you know, who knows what might happen. 
Yeah, absolutely. They both. They, I think at this time of year, there's so much going on um, with just the, the outside world. I mean, going. It's nice to capture that in color. I think there's. It's hard to ignore that when you've got all the flowers out and the you know the lovely blue skies and the lovely fresh greens. It's hard to go. Well, let's make it black and white. Um, I did think about, and this is something I'm I'm definitely going to shoot in the next month or so because now is the time. I just need to figure out what camera to put it to. Is I've got that role of um, Ilford SFX film, the one which is more red sensitive, mm. um, and I've got the filter that I bought last year. So um, I'm not going to do that through pinhole. I don't think because <laughs> I'll be sat there for the rest of my life. No, um, yeah, you, that might be a six month exposure. Yeah, so I think that's either going to go into the Bronica or possibly um, into my Yashica 635. Uh, I've not decided yet, but I was looking for film for um, the failed, the Unifail. Um, I saw it and went, oh, I've got this. I've got, I've got the filter. I need to just get on and try this. So it was a good, good memory jogger. Excellent, excellent. Okay, all right. Well, uh, blimey. So that is our adventures on world pinhole photography day um and uh but interestingly enough just whether it's timed you know to perfection or whether it's an accident uh there is a little kickstarter to talk about that uh joins us up to pinhole photography day but we'll talk about that just after this break we just skip the music and i'll sing it off from now on eh? <laughs> that'll be fine Okay, all right, and you're back in the room. So, so Graham, you brought to my notice uh, a Kickstarter that uh, looks at pinhole stuff and some of the stuff that we've been talking about. Actually, can you tell us about it? Yeah, this is this is an interesting one, and I think you and I both got this pointed towards us or got pointed at this thing and neither of us can remember who it was by so huge apologies but i'm sure somebody put this underneath my nose to see um this is the solar can and what this is in essence is exactly what um justin quinnell was talking about last week with his beer can pinhole projects um his solography projects um it's just a ready-made solution uh, so what you get if you back this Kickstarter product is a can, much like a beer can, with a pinhole in it already and the photographic paper in it already. And all you need to then do is find somewhere to put it, uh, take the um, cover off the pinhole and leave it for as long as you're going to leave it for. Um, it's a really good ready-made solution because the nice thing with the solar ca- the um, solography is that once it's done you don't develop the paper you just scan it so you don't need to have anything other than this well you need to have a scanner i suppose or you could photograph it, i guess that would also work um so i think i looked at this and i mean it is a little bit of a case of money for old rope because you are buying essentially a purpose-made beer can with some photographic paper in um and so you could very easily do this at home if the if the mood took you. But if you're not the kind of person who enjoys making things, this could be ideal. I mean, what do you think, Aid? You've had a look at this. I know you're not particularly into getting hands on with stuff. <laughs> uh, I I like it. Uh, I think it could be fun. And you know, uh, I mean, it it 
it, it's it's not the most sophisticated product in the world and you know and and and, and as you mentioned you know uh, justin has a video on his website of how to do it yourself and um, and uh, uh, my my memory of that video is it involves a lot of gaffer tape but other than that it's fine yeah um but yeah so it, yeah i mean it's not a product that you would invest in for the technological you know uh benefits of it um but if you had if you wanted to do it as a one-off uh for a party or if you were a school and you, you know and you didn't have the ability to make them but you wanted to give them for the kids and stuff like that i could see there'd be fun in it and see i could see there'd be sense in it um, you know, and well done, uh, you know, to the to uh, Sam Cornwell, I believe is the chap's name. Well done to Sam for you know having the gumption to do a Kickstarter. I mean, it certainly seems to be an appetite for it. So if I have a look at the website just right now, uh, he was after really only a small amount of money. It was two and a half thousand pounds. And if you watch the video, he says that's really for the equipment that he needed to set the thing up. Um, and of his two and a half thousand pounds, um, he has been pledged eighteen thousand pounds, and there are still sixteen days to go, and he's got over six hundred backers. So you know, for for you know those of you, those of us, those of you who are of a more you know um, experimental frame of mind, uh, maybe there's slightly less value in it. But I suspect there's quite a lot of consumers in it who like the idea. Um, you know, the sort of people who might buy you know single use film cameras, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have to say, my personal feelings are in this are a bit like, if you're the kind of person who's on the internet looking for this kind of thing and doing any level of research, you probably, well, I would have thought, figured out that you can easily enough do this for yourself. I mean, to give people a bit of an idea, the um, minimum amount of backing, I think, is £12, um, which gets you one of these cans, which is not terribly expensive. Um and then you get the can and you can use it once and you're off to the races. Um, I bought, I had to go and buy some uh, paper to use in my solograms um, this week. So I popped to one of my favorite places, which is the secondhand darkroom, uh, which I shared a picture of that place on Instagram and was met with a lot of very envious replies because <laughs> I don't know whether you saw the picture, Aid, but um that place is just the description a real aladdin's cave of photography it, it's just the stuff's just piled up everywhere um not and it's not just darkroom stuff there's just cameras everywhere he's got piles of great looking nikons large format stuff medium format stuff i saw um some linhoff super wide format thing off in a corner somewhere um you name it it's likely to be kicking around there huge quantity stuff and um so i i try to think of reasons to go that were never possible and so i thought oh i need some five by seven paper for my can because that's the kind of that's the size paper you ideally want to go in these cans because that's when you push it inside the beer can it wraps all the way around almost and just leaves enough of a gap so that the pinhole isn't covered so you get the maximum coverage in there. Um, anyway, so for a, a pack of 100 sheets of paper from there, that cost me £22, I think. Um, so obviously, you know, you can get a lot better value if you're prepared to do it yourself. But not everybody wants to go to the trouble of buying a load of darkroom paper. Um, and... Uh, I I think that could be a really good thing if you you see these um, things like 
pinhole cameras and do make it yourself stuff in things like science museums and gift shops and stuff like that i think it could be ideal for that um because the idea of just being able to go home and plonk it up somewhere and not think about it, it it's appealing but if you've got even the slightest inclination towards the tiniest amount of diy not even diy i mean you just tape it yourself um <laughs> they're, they're they're so easy to make and, and as justin kept pointing out you get to drink the beer slash cider first so it's a win-win well absolutely yeah uh, if you can drink that much beer of course <laughs> so if he sold a th- if he sold 600 of these things that's quite a lot of beer you've got to drink <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> that's why he needs the kickstarter money to, fu- to fund the habit oh well, i don't see that or to fund the rehab after he's been successful <laughs> But I'll tell, I'll tell you what, good luck, Sam, on that. Um, it sounds like you've found uh, an audience there and found enough people to pledge that are keen to get the product in their in their hands. So, um, uh, And then, I guess, cable tied around a lamppost for six months or something like that. But hey, uh, all sounds good and uh, good luck with it. And it's a, a good little... Uh, a good example uh, of of your sort of, sort of the micro entrepreneurial stuff that's kicking off around film photography these days. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's nice to see that, isn't it? Nice to see new products coming out. Nice to see people working on stuff. Yes, certainly is. Well, you've put on the show. There's about another new product that's coming out, Aid. Oh well, indeed. Um, here's the th- here's a wonderful thing to talk about, isn't it? Um, we've we've actually mentioned this before on the podcast um because it linking back to when we went to uh, the photography show in birmingham and met up with neil um this uh is the instax sq10 almost film camera yeah it, it's appeared very quickly it's weird that they didn't kind of get out in time for the big photography show that was going on but uh, it's here and uh... <laughs> <laughs> all right so i'm gonna I, okay let's let's do it let, let's do it like this let me let me tell you about all the things i think are positive about it and then you can <laughs> throw stones at it if you like okay <laughs> good good right okay here we go right so in a way in a way this is the perfect blend of an instax camera and the instax printer that i talk about a lot and that i love because the two are in the one plastic box so you've got a camera and uh, the camera doesn't print instantly uh, what it does is it saves your photograph and you can flick through the photographs and you can apply some instagram style filters i think they are and then you can decide which ones to print and uh, better than that even better than that it you can also put a micro sd card in it um, and you can save something like a thousand photographs per gigabyte of memory card that you have. Weird. I wonder why that would be possible. Oh, is it perhaps because the pictures are so low resolution? Oh well, let's talk about that. Okay, so here, so because I was thinking, because I know the print of uh, the uh, the print resolution of these things right because i've got i've got the first gen printer not the second gen printer and i know that uh, because i've seen it on the specs that this new one uh, is no greater resolution than the current version two uh, of the the standalone printer which prints uh it's about 300 points per inch so that's not bad 300 dpi something like that um uh, it is uh though when you consider the actual size of it of course it's very very few uh pixels 
it is uh, in the case of my version it's 640 by 480 pixels in the case of the current printer which prints the uh, the uh, 4x3 ratio um, it's 800 by 600 and this one the new square one is uh, as you, you can will probably work out uh, is 800 by 800 and I thought to myself blimey how on earth did they manage to find somebody in 2017 who could manufacture a camera sensor with only 800 by 800 <laughs> pixels on it did they have a sort of bunch in the back of a warehouse from 1995 or something like that <laughs> okay maybe not 95 but maybe 1999 is that exactly is that what they've done is that that's crazy so I've had actually had a look I've done in the name of the sunny 16 point Podcast, I have done some real research. Ooh. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what this research has thrown up. Okay, uh, this research has thrown up the native pixel count of the sensor inside the Instax Square 10, the SQ10. And it is a grand total of 1920 by 1920, uh, a smidge under 4 megapixels. Well, there you go. Way. <laughs> I mean, that, that's. I, I think what they're doing is they're going and taking them out of all the old uh, digital cameras that you and I were using back in the early 2000s. Because I think we both had a very similar, by the sound of it, Fuji 4 megapixel digital camera back in the early days of um, photography. So they've obviously got a big warehouse of those somewhere. They're going, well, let's just <laughs> take these out of here and this will be fine. You might be right. You might be right. Um, but so, OK, so here, here's the thing, right? Um it fixes one of the things that I hate about Instax, which is the cameras are really inconsistent and you you know, every time you press the button you're you're probably wasting another slice of film. Um that this fixes that because it allows you to pick the good ones and it allows you to do a little bit of processing on them uh, to print out something that's good. And it's all in one box and it's gonna retain all of the fun that Instax has. And let's face it, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, there is no real photographic merit to Instax. <laughs> it's all about the fun. It's all about putting a smile on somebody's face. And you can do this. And better or all, if you've got a bestie and you've taken a selfie with your bestie and you both love it, you can both have a physical copy of it. What's not to like about that? It's just everything, everything, there is everything not. I mean, the, We've, we're going to come to our special email section later. I know that a couple of those bring up um, the people's feelings about digital and film. But this camera uh, just kind of sums it all up. It's like, yeah, what we've done is we've made a digital camera that's going to emulate film. Or actually, what we're going to do is make a digital camera that emulates a thing that emulates film. So we're, we are emulating Instagram, emulating film with their filters. Um as opposed to just making a film camera, which is what we were doing before. And it just, it feels like such a, I don't know, I, it's clearly just targeted at what they view as the audience as well. People just want to take... It's take, take, clearly take, targeted at their massive customer base. Yes, it is. Well, yeah, but it, like, <laughs> there's, there's, none of the things are there that any, any of the people who we tend to talk to are interested. There's no more control on there, is there? You know, there's not... People can't make any choices about it. Um, and you're, the reason we shoot film is not because we want perfect pictures every time. It's because of the qualities that go with that. I don't know. It just, it just left me completely cold when I saw it. And also, this is a thing that's been done already. 
um, Polaroid, whatever the heck Polaroid is these days, they released the camera that is pretty much this. What was it, last year or the year before? This is a thing that's been done, not with Instax film, but with some different thing. And it, to be honest, who cares if it's Instax film if you're just if it's just a digital thing printing onto some photographic medium? This has been done before. Oh yeah, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that they, I, I can see how it would be attractive to a whole segment of the market. Well, yeah, but a, a teenage girl segment of the market. I think it is where it's aimed at purely. I mean, I, I can't imagine that anybody who is getting enjoyment out of things like um, Impossible Project Film is going to find this remotely appealing because you you just you're just using it as a printer. I mean, it's just you're, you're taking a picture using a digital camera and then printing it using a subpar printer. I mean, it is worse than buying the printer. Uh, and using your digital camera and printing because at least if you do what you've been doing um, up until now at least you're using a better quality camera to take the picture um yeah i don't know so shall i I'm cancel sh- your pre-order then yeah yeah i mean i, I know it's my <laughs> I was birthday gonna, i was gonna a, get you one as a present <laughs> i know it's my birthday in a couple of weeks hint hint everyone um but no i'll send not. you back some of the crap you sent me <laughs> <laughs> don't you threaten me um yeah, I was just, I don't know, I, a little disappointed by it. I mean, I'm not surprised by it at all, um, you know, given the way that Fuji in particular has been leaning over the years. Um, but it was just, I think, more than anything with it, it's just that these, the filters, it just, it, it feels like such a thin, like there's no originality there. There's no, um, there's no great ideas there. It's just like, well, Instagram's popular. Let's just make an Instagram camera, uh, and, and then people will take, and then people will take photographs of the photographs that they digitally printed. Oh God, it's a snake eating its tail. This is the Ouroboros of cameras. All right, uh, I, I've had as much bile as I can take. Um, oh no, so... hang on. You say that you say that, but I added something quickly into the list. No, I meant let's move on to the next thing on the list. Is this going to be? Is this going to be more ranting? Is it? Well, maybe not ranting. It's less ranting, but um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you've just added this live and direct on the podcast in the middle of the recording. You've added to our show notes two words, two words that send shivers down my spine, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> and those two words are... <gasps> Lomography disposable. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, this is a new line of cameras that Lomography's brought out. Um of uh, simple use film cameras, as they call them. Um, I mean, they are single use film cameras, although they do say, oh, you can use them again if you crack them open and take them apart. Um, and they've got three different models. They've got one that's uh, got color negative film in it, one that's black and white, um, a, um, C41 black and white, as opposed to a traditional black and white, and one that uses the Lomachrome purple film. And the two or the, the color negative and the lomachrome one i think also come with some flash filters on it um and i did see these at the um photography show and you know they had them there saying they're going to come out fairly soon and the, the idea is that they want to make you know this is the easy way for people to get and take pictures and pick these things up um and it's fine I, i'm i'm 
I, I'm not entirely sure. Well, actually, I suppose they're one of these things that will be very popular because there's quite a lot of lamography stuff actually in shops these days, isn't there? In places like um, high street stores. I can't think of any high street stores. But, um, <laughs> uh, I think I've certainly seen them in urban outfitters. Yeah, places like that where people can just pick them up and go out and click away. Um and the thing, the thing about it, the cameras are whatever. They're 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 single use cameras, and that's fine. They've got the different films in, which makes it a bit more fun. That's great. Um, the thing for me, which I, I, I wish that they had done, is if they wanted to make this really simple use, I wish that they had included an envelope or something with it so that once people have finished it they could just shove it in the post and get their pictures back um because there are fewer and fewer places around that will actually develop film these days that you don't have to you, you post all your film off um and there's one place within many miles from me that will actually develop film if i take it in as in 35 millimeter or disposable cameras um so i kind of wish that they'd included a prepaid envelope uh because i mean that's not unheard of. You can buy prepaid envelopes from Ilford and send your film into them. So they could have done it. Um, and cost-wise, they're okay. Um, the the colour neg and the black and white one are both £15.11, pence, um, which is a weird price. Um, and the Lomo purple one is £18.91, which is an equally weird price. Or you can get a bundle of all three for £49.12. pence. Um uh, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I think if you are even vaguely into photography, you'll very quickly realise that you could pick up a point-and-shoot camera for as close to no money as makes no odds. I mean, you're it's you, you know, finding good cameras secondhand is not easy, but finding cheap point-and-shoots is real easy, um, and you can of course reuse those over and over and over again. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just an interesting thing that they brought out. Um, you know, they're, they're trying to lamography are very much aiming at the mass market with what they're trying to do, make it as simple as possible for people to take pictures. And this is another step on that road. Um, and we'll see how well they do with it. Um, but it's always nice to see new products come out, even though they're not terribly exciting. I don't think I'll ever be buying one of these myself. <laughs> No, I can't see myself doing it either. To be honest, um, I I would far rather as do, do as you suggest. We pick up a a reusable thirty five mil point and shoot, possibly with a little bit more functionality, uh, probably for about the price of one of these, and then throw uh, roll after roll of film into it. Um, anyway, all right, okay. So this is this is um, you know from the the highlight of the sh- the uh, adventures and the shenanigans of World Pinhole Photography Day. Uh, through the the joy of the SoloCan Kickstarter, uh, the slightly less than joy mixed with a little bit of ridicule for the Instax SQ10 to the mm. to the downright miserable disposable <laughs> <laughs> from, <laughs> from Lomography. Uh, I yeah, I think they they've been a fantastic force in the market for film. I say this all the time. I don't like their products, but there you go. Anyway. Moving on, Uh, there's another sponsor gone. Uh, And uh, we will take a quick break and then we'll come back with what we promised last week, which is the special email show.
Okay, uh, much anticipation, now all to be uh, let loose and, and relieved. Uh, Graham, you have a whole bundle of emails that you've been collecting. I never thought I'd say that, actually. <laughs> After all the tumbleweed, the, the whispered, whispered and whistled through our email account for many months. Now we're sitting on a pile of emails, so go for it. Uh, I, I, you know what I'm most excited about? I'm most excited about getting to go, emails! Um if any of our podcast listeners know what that's a reference to, then there may be crossover. People may. Anyway, um, first up is an email from Bill Lehman. Lehman? I'm going to go with Lehman. Bill can correct me <laughs> which one it is. Um, Dear Graham and Aid, greetings from Midwestern America. Uh, first off, thanks for the shout out in episode 45. I am the aforementioned Blemon 40 because uh, we first saw Bill's uh, appearance as a iTunes review. So um, leave us iTunes reviews, people. It's a great way to get on the show. Uh, my name is Bill. I live in the far north of the state of Indiana in the town of Elkhart. I am 47 years old. and I have recently returned to film photography after a hiatus of 10 to 12 years. I uh, grew up shooting film and made the switch to digital along with everybody else back in the mid-aughts. The impetus to switch back to film has really been a number of realizations. The first was a severe creative block. I draw and paint and use photos for reference continually. Using the photos on my computer taken with my digital camera has been a pain in the ass. Uh, making sure my laptop can be used wherever I am working whilst keeping it safe from flying paint and constantly messing with it to prevent the screen from shutting off because of power saving modes and all that. Ugh. Not to mention that I don't trust the colours I see on the screen. I found myself doubting my composition, the strength of my subjects, the very nature of what I want to express in my art. The second thing I noticed was while my wife and I have a ton of digital photographs on our laptop, on our home computer, on our phones, we rarely go back and look at them. We don't print them out and put them in books or albums. We don't share them with friends or relatives. There are no photo albums of our children on our bookshelves to show our grandchildren. That is a sad, sad thing. While we are probably taking as many photos as ever we have, all we are doing is uploading them to Facebook and forgetting them. I came to the realization that while digital photography is certainly convenient, it is somehow lacking. I wanted to hold a photo in my hand. I wanted to create albums full of pictures for my grandkids to see. I wanted to take time to think about what I am doing, compose a shot and make art that I can reference and in the end can stand on its own. And my wee little brain said, film. Through various means, I ended up with the Fujika ST6... Um, there's a sort of slip there, an ST705, because you know, obviously in America it's got to be bigger. Um, the big brother to the 605N I use, and uh, have jumped in at the deep end. And he says he's found us through iTunes, he's been enjoying the show, um, which is very nice. Uh, all that is just a really long way of saying I love the podcast and I love it so much that I'm jumping into the Cheap Shots Challenge as soon as possible. I have gotten an Argus C4 rangefinder off of eBay for the grand sum of $6 plus shipping. Um, loaded it up with some Kodak Ultramax 200. That's a great name for a film. And I'm shooting away. Uh, I believe the current topic is portraiture. Yes, it is. Uh, we'll need to wrap that up before too long. Um, uh, and yeah, look forward to more podcasts and more shooting fun in the future. P.S. I have joined the Sunny 16 podcast Flickr group. So shout out for that. Um, and anybody who wants to find this stuff can look for at 
Blemon, spelled B-L-E-H-M-A-N 40 on Instagram as well. Uh, oh, and AD also wants to thank you for the recommendation of the PhotoScan app, which he has used to uh, upload photos to Instagram now. So thank you very much, Bill. That was an awesome email. Um, yeah, that whole thing of not printing off photos uh, has been a real problem for me over the years. Do you do you fill up photo albums much, Aid? Uh, I have photo walls um, in my house, uh, but I don't print as much as I would like to. So, first of all, I got to say, actually, uh, the 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 thing that's going through my head listening to the that email is just, amen, brother. I mean, it's just uh, that yeah, the the stuff that uh, you know that uh, Billy's is. Um, uh talking through the feelings the, the 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 feeling of lacking and stuff like that that's it that that resonates hugely with me and you know having a a a, a proper photograph that you can hold in your hand is, is is an awesome thing um you know so i you know i uh i don't print uh, as much oddly enough actually yesterday i got a birthday present um which was quite odd because my birthday was ages ago <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's meant for me, Aid. Maybe you could have made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I didn't know you knew my sister. <laughs> uh, I didn't like to mention it earlier. It could have got awkward. Fair enough. Um, so uh, I hadn't seen my sister in a little while, and um, uh, she gave me a photo album yesterday. Uh, awesome. I, um, uh, an empty photo album. Uh, because she knows I got some trips coming up this year, and um, and she said, you know, here is a photo album for the photos from your trips. I I love photo albums, I really do. Um, I I don't have a printer at home because, to be honest, whenever I've had prints in the past, I've never used them frequently enough, and then they've dried up and jammed up, and I've ended up throwing them away and buying another printer, and it's uh, the whole cycle is just depressing and awful. Um, so I send my um, um, photos away to be printed when I want them and I tend to do that in big blocks so I won't do any for months and months and months and months and months and then I'll get you know a hundred printed off in one go um and I mostly tend to get seven by five prints because I like that size they're like six by fours they're too small but I love I love having photo albums um there's just something deeply satisfying about sitting and just flicking through them um and that nobody has come up with a digital solution that gets anywhere close to the pleasure that I get from them. And and also other, other people just like flicking through them. I just, yeah, I, photo albums are a great thing. And um, I, I don't, because I tend to develop my all my own film these days, I don't get any of the prints from that, but I do love getting prints made and putting them in albums. It's awesome. Yeah, everybody should do more of that, definitely. Okay, next email. Uh, repeat emailer. This is an email from Angela Solis, um, who got in touch a while ago. So Angela's up in Canada. Uh, um, this is Jella on Instagram. Um Hi, Graham and Aid. Uh, she appreciates the shout-out and the London recommendations. Um, they're visiting this summer to hopefully go and see uh, the film is not dead guys at the market, Lomography, um, Cameras London. I, I'm not familiar with Cameras London, eh? Do you know those guys? Doesn't ring a bell. Well, maybe we ought to look into that and find out what that is. Um, 
I, I am worried that my husband and I might end up bringing a few cameras back to Toronto. Um, that doesn't sound like a thing to be worrying about. Um, it should and, be celebrated, if you ask me. Okay. Um, right. This you need to concentrate on it. So, read the lights conversation in her last email. My specific question has something to do with shooting lights during an indoor event. I'm going to shoot one sometime in July. I'm a bit concerned about potential light setup. If Aid can impart us and fellow listeners with his knowledge to enlighten us, no pun intended, that would be appreciated. So, um, before we move on with the rest of the email, Aid. Uh, an event an indoor event you can i guess have mixed lighting already um how would you go about dealing with that i might cry and run away (laughs) great (laughs) okay so uh um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna have to take a punt in answering this because um uh, there's not a lot of detail there in the email but uh so so uh, for the sake of this answer, I, I will assume uh, that we're talking about shooting film here, um, yes, uh, ra- rather than digital, which of course is, w- would be far easier in a, in a crazy setup like that. So, a couple of things I'd think of. Uh, first is is the sort of uh, the the stationary or, or sort of standard distance kind of shot. Um, if you are able to uh, get get a a setup. Um, that you're happy with and that you've tested prior to the event with people at a specific distance, um, then you're in good territory. So say for the sake of example, um, uh, you have uh, uh, an on-camera flash or a, or a flash that is, you know, that, that you're somebody you're carrying it for you or has got a light stand or something, and you know that that flash is always going to be six feet away from the subject. That's really easy. Okay, as long as you've tested it, you make sure that your subject is within that six feet. Uh, You set the power on the flash to what it needs to be and you set the aperture on your camera to what it needs to be. And uh, then you're golden, essentially. So um, how I might do that if it was just me shooting the event, uh, I might set up a corner or, or, you know, um, I I don't know if I'd I'd have the opportunity to set up a photo booth, maybe. But maybe there's a corner where people can come and have their photo taken, be they group shots or portraits. Um, And that's that's a setup you can test beforehand so that you can be reasonably confident. And if you really want to make sure you get it right on the day, take a digital camera with you, test it on site as well. Um, so that that's one way of doing it the slightly trickier way is the whole running and gunning way of doing it um, whereby you don't exactly know what the situation is going to be you don't know what the ambient light is going to be you don't know how people are going to be moving and stuff like that Um, and you may not have so much of an opportunity uh, to do um, something that is um, uh, something something that's stable so there, I would go for continuous lights, um, preferably LED if you're moving around uh, these days, of course, uh, some kind of flat panel LED or, so that you can reasonably easily hold on the end of a stick or something like that. Uh, and then you want a camera that shoots aperture priority or some level of automation. I suppose it could be completely automated, actually, uh, if you have a more modern film camera uh, you know, that has a program mode. Uh, but something that will automatically calculate the exposure for you um, because what you need then is uh, what you'll be able to do then is it let the camera make the exposure decisions for you. Now, there are some downsides um, 
One is that uh, you'll need a much higher speed film because LED lights are not bright, at least not compared to flash. So you can't say, oh, I want to shoot Portra 160 um, and I want to shoot it at 100 ISO um, because uh, it, an LED light in, a, in an event isn't likely to be able to be bright enough to support that. Um, so that's a challenge, junior just uh, a faster film. Uh, the second challenge is that um, the best mode for shooting these kind of shots is possibly shutter priority mode. Um, where because you say, okay, well, people are moving around, but they're not moving too quickly. So I want to shoot everything at like, I don't know, 125th of a second or something like that and let the aperture fall where it, like, yeah, where it may. Um, there are not that many you know, good quality film cameras that I'm aware of um, that will shoot in shutter priority mode. There are far more that will shoot in aperture priority mode from about, I know, the, the mid 80s onwards anyway. Um, so that's a bit of a challenge because in aperture priority, uh, you can sometimes get very, you, sometimes you go a slightly darker place and you don't realize it quick enough and you end up with a shutter speed that's like, you know, a quarter of a second or something or a half a second or something like that, which of course is often unusable, unusable then. So just keep an eye on your shutter speeds, uh, use LED lights when you're running around, um, and use a higher film speed. That's a great advice. Uh, that really is actually. I'm, as somebody who I mentioned earlier, I'm a little bit afraid of flash. But I think both of those options, the, um, the just sort of getting set up with a setup where you know that okay, if something's this distance away, that's all going to be fine. It makes a lot of sense. And if you can find a little corner, that sounds great. Um, and the LED panels are a real winner. I mean, it is one of those. Um, double edged swords you want to get something nice and bright but at the same time if you're running around a place with people they probably don't want to be blinded so <laughs> <laughs> that is you, a problem with continuous light absolutely a problem with continuous light yeah do any of the cameras um because i know on like modern digital cameras they got quite um good integration with some of their own flashes haven't they so they can figure a lot of stuff out for themselves is there any of that stuff with any of the film cameras or was that something that came later so i can right now i can hear sandeep jumping up and down as he listens to this um uh, sandeep otherwise known on the internet as give me a biscuit or as london camera project um i think on instagram um i know he shoots a nikon f6 uh which is the top pro level nikon film camera that you can actually still buy brand new today um uh, and that has a very highly functional uh flash uh, yeah, automatic flash calculation uh, engine in it a bit like the modern uh, digital SLRs from Nikon do um, and so there are if you pair that with a, a Nikon flash or although actually nowadays there are some third party flashes that will do that that automatic uh, exposure um, some of them even off camera uh, then yes you have some options available there um, really though I mean the vast vast majority of film cameras uh, don't have that capability to automatically calculate flash, uh, at least not consistently enough that if you've got to deliver something to somebody at the end of an event, um, even in an informal basis, that you, that I wouldn't be particularly confident in using them. I'd be more trying to make sure that I understood what my needs for a manual setup that I had tested uh, were and then go from there and always carry a, a, a flash meter as well. 
um, because then you can at least if you find yourself in some situations that are not exactly right or if you even once you set it up and you want to check uh, you can always test how the light is working at least how bright it is if not how it's going to fall oh, good pro tips and i hope that helps um Carrying on with Angela's email, uh, she just listened to episode 46 where we mentioned about travel to New York. Um, Angela's actually heading there for the end of June. Uh, my parents and mother-in-law haven't been to New York, hence we're tailoring our trip to be a touristy one. Uh, Statue of Liberty, Ground Zero Memorial, Empire State, Central Park, Times Square, the usual suspects. We will be shooting film, of course, although might be shooting some digital as the parents will want to have their photos uploaded on social media ASAP. The world has been reversed. Maybe they should buy an Instax SQ10. <laughs> Maybe they should. Maybe they should. Um, for recommendation, as aside from the ones above, uh, Coney Island for the kids, Chelsea Market, which is situated close to the High Line. Yeah, that's awesome. I've been there, actually. Okay, never, never. Uh, Dumbo area might be a good place to check out and take photos. Do you know what Dumbo is? Uh, I mean, I'm the big flying elephant. Do you know what? I Because uh, I'm in the... I'm in the process of doing research for my trip because my trip to new york's in just a few weeks time uh and i i believe i might get this wrong forgive me listeners if i do i think dumbo might be an area of brooklyn or near brooklyn so it's not on manhattan island itself okay i'll take you over it uh, if you fancy museums nyc has no shortage of that uh there is a free entrance at the moment around friday evenings um and Brooklyn Flea Market will also reopen again soon, which is a great opportunity to see and visit the Brooklyn Film Camera, um, who I think we talked about when we were talking to Dave Bias, didn't we, senior guys at Brooklyn Film Camera? Yeah, and they, they follow us on, uh, and we follow them, I think, on, on the socials. Quite likely. Um, hope you guys have a great week and great weather. For us, Toronto has been a mixture of sun and cloud and occasional strong wind. But we're in for a treat as the cherry blossoms are now in full bloom. Looking forward to it as the trees skipped the flowers last year. That's trees where you can't trust them. Um, <laughs> from Angela at thisisjella underscore s on Instagram. Thank you very much, Angela. Great email. And uh, you go, Aid, some more, more thought for your New York trip. Yeah, thank you, Angela. I mean, I'll take all the help I can get, actually. Um, one of the things we are looking at uh, is a, a uh, you can get tours around various different uh, boroughs, or I suppose I should call them boroughs of uh, New York. And uh, yeah, Brooklyn is one of the things that's on my list, certainly. So thanks for the tips. I'm, I, uh, I shall look into those. Well, following on from that, I'm going to jump to this next email, which is a follow-up email from John Burns. You may remember John sent us an email about his trip to New York um, a few weeks ago. Um, he says, Hi, you may have seen that I've posted some of my colour pictures from New York in the Sunny 16 Flickr group. Um, I have to be honest, I haven't checked them out yet, so I'll go and check those out in just a second because I haven't been on Flickr lately. Um, a couple of thoughts on the trip. If you go to any public event in New York, they seem to have metal detectors and x-ray scanners, just like at the airport. This included my visit to the Empire State Buildings, where my bag, with films, went through twice before I persuaded them to look at the contents by hand. Uh, still not sure what they were struggling with. <laughs> what were they going to do with it after they've scanned it twice? <laughs> oh, God knows. As a consequence, it is comparatively easy to have your films scanned multiple times. 
That said, my ISO 200 films did not fog, although I am still waiting for Mr. Ilford to process the black and white. Um, you can get around this at the US airports by asking for your films to be hand scanned. Just hand them over in a polythene bag and they will be swabbed out, looked at for explosives, drugs, but not x-rayed. Um, thank you, TSA. Uh and they just going to say, thanks to the podcast. I do enjoy them, whether with guests or just the gentle rambles through film photography when it's just you and Aid. Um, that's about <laughs> it. Uh, that uh, was a really good, um, good heads up there because I would never have thought about that because we I can't remember whether we've talked about the sort of thing of taking films through um, airports and the fact that they need to be scanned. Um, but the fact that now more and more places are scanning stuff, that's could be a bit of a problem because they're just going to get hit more and more often um what do you have a plan in mind for when you take your stuff aid uh i don't but uh actually this is a really good shout from john so first of all john i have seen your shots on Flickr. uh you know great great classic new york city shots um and uh you know uh all, all the food groups for new york city shots represented and covered really well actually nice to see lots of good colors um and uh thanks for the tip off about the the various different destinations i have experienced this before um i hadn't got as far as thinking it through for this because um, i have been up the empire state before i don't remember the uh the i don't remember the x-rays um, and I was shooting film. So last time I was there, which was 2013. So I'm not, uh, I must have been through this process. Um, I have with me at the moment a, a sacrificial roller Tri-X, um, which has currently been through two airport scanners. And I'm going to take it to New York with me. Uh, and that'll go through another two at least. Um, uh, maybe I'll take it out and keep it in my pocket and put it through... <laughs> when i go to all of these sites and see just exactly how much can a roll of 400 speed film take um yeah but I, it it is so um my my usual plan uh and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't but it tends to work often enough that i don't get bothered by the x-ray machines or yeah, impacting my films is to be polite and ask and when they say no ask again and when they say no ask again but always quietly always respectfully and uh, eventually whoever it is will go and get their manager um that's what they say and they they expect they say that to you and they expect that you at that point to say oh don't worry about it and uh, they always look a little bit grumpy when i say <laughs> that'd be great thank you very much <laughs> and uh and um then yeah at that point i i guess maybe i get about a 50 50 result uh so uh, i went to venice a few weeks ago uh at gatwick airport on the way out there uh the security team were very courteous and uh they did hand check my film uh at venice airport on the way back uh they were very courteous uh and when the manager from the team came over and looked at it he looked and he said uh and i won't do the accent no i won't he said <laughs> uh he said this is um you know uh 160 it'll be fine and i uh, and at that point i knew a, I, a I knew it was fine anyway um and b, but b i knew that i wasn't going to get any further and so i respectfully said okay I, I tried you know i took up some of their time they were polite to me i was polite to them 
uh, and then it went through the machine anyway. Uh, yeah. But but the aim of the game, I think, is it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I I know people people like Rob Hawthorne, for example. I was talking to Rob in the pub the other night, and yeah, you know, and said, and he was saying he's travelled all over the world with film, and it's got scanned all the time. Uh, and he said, you know, if it's anything up to about 800, 1600, then it's no bother. And he said, it doesn't matter. Yeah, he said, if, you've got, if you're shooting 400 speed film, it can go through as many x-ray machines as you like. And you're unlikely to see any difficulties at all. So um, uh, I'm working on being more relaxed about it. Yeah, I, th- that's what I've always heard. Is that unless you're using particularly fast film, um, it's not really a worry. Uh, I've never heard anybody actually have problems or show problems with lower speed i mean i've I've never seen photographs that have been affected by um any x-ray machines but i've certainly only ever heard that it tends to it can affect things you know 1600 3200 um so just don't worry about it (laughs) i think it's always the best idea just don't worry about it um, but still, it, it's it's interesting to to hear because I would never have thought about X-ray machines popping up um, anywhere other than airports. So I guess it's just a thing now. Yeah. So if, the other thing, of course, with New York is you can just buy your film when you get there. You can yeah. walk into, you can wander into Adorama and just go, "Can I have some film, please?" <laughs> yeah. Or B and H if they're open, but they tend to only be open on weird days of the week. Really? Why is that? Uh, because they're Hasidic Jews. Ah, I see, uh, I see. And they're not open on Friday or Saturday, I don't think. I think it's Friday and Saturday B&H is shut. I, can't, I, I may be wrong on that, but I remember last time I went there thinking, okay, this is a good excuse to go to B&H, isn't it? Because I've always wanted to go there, and uh, I'll go buy some film. And I went there, and it was shut. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's but it's okay because the other the other good shop that is is very famous in New York is Adorama, and they were open, so that was right. They were open because yeah. they're just a bunch of heathens. Uh, <laughs> I want to say, and I may be wrong on this. I want to say that there there uh, there's a a Jewish uh, team that runs Adorama, but I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> We'll move on from that. This seems like a dangerous water to be swimming around in. I'm going to read the next email out. The next email is from Andrew Contreras. Uh, again, apologies if I'm missaying your name. Um, hello, my name is Andrew. Yep, I got that bit right. I'm fairly confident. Uh, I'm originally from California, but I'm living in Seoul, South Korea. I listened to episode 21 recently. So, Aid, you're going to need to get your remembering head on for the contentious remarks. Those time made, zones but... really hit you, don't they? Uh, they certainly do. <laughs> And they're ahead of us as well. Um, uh, and I am one of those hashtaggers that includes hashtag no edits, hashtag no filters, disclaimers on my film shots. I cannot think who would have been complaining about those. Probably you is my guess. It wouldn't have been me. Um, I've never owned a digital camera unless you count an iPhone. There was a time where I did take pride in my iPhone photos and got into photo editing software to make them look dreamy, etc., It didn't last long because I just got sick of staring at a computer screen and clicking a trackpad. There was little satisfaction in it, ultimately, for me. The photos felt detached and offered only a split second of bliss before they were banished to the digital abyss. I like the way that Andrew writes. (laughs) Honestly, I didn't feel like I had any ownership over the photo either because I couldn't really account for the final image output. The computer did it. It was more than just a tool. It was the entire photo. It felt cheap and fraudulent to me. I don't think less of anyone who does post-process film digitally, 
but I do immediately feel less interested in the image if I know it was. It's like listening to a band that pushes buttons on the drum machine for their drum tracks. Yeah, they need to know how to use that tool, but that is not drumming. I like bands that can play their instruments. Knowing the process of people playing separate instruments harmoniously makes the song impressive. Recording is a whole other process that I appreciate. I like when humans are behind it all. Electric guitars are welcome, though. If you have an autofocus camera, those are welcome, too. This leads to my photography philosophy. I bought a Nikon FM SLR this past November and began my analog photography journey. Uh, You had a guest on an earlier pod who said something like, isn't that the goal? See something interesting, capture it on film, process the film and make a print in a darkroom. Uh, I'm not sure who that would have been. One of our great guests anyway. Um, Something to that effect. Uh, And I wanted to high five him. Uh, was all, oh, it was Dave. <laughs> was also a big ceramics guy in high school. Oh, I wouldn't high five Dave. You don't know where his hands have been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh, we ought to get Dave back on. <laughs> we need to drop our rating slightly lower. Um, which is another art that is all about the process. That's the process I want to. For the past five-ish months, I've been experimenting with different films and trying to figure out how to use my camera. I recently worked up the guts to home process my first two rolls of Ilford Delta 3200 and I confirm that for you aid that it really is quite easy and far more satisfying. It's another step in the process. For now I get digital scans but that's not the end goal. That's just the digital scan. Therefore whatever decisions the scanner makes at my photo lab don't bother me. The real test will be when I manage to build up a little darkroom setup and can manually edit my images. Uh, This was a long answer to your question about why people feel it's important to make it known that they don't edit stuff. I guess it's not part of the process I'm working towards. I want to get it right before I take the shot as much as possible and then adjust it in the darkroom for the final look. Again, no shame on anyone who does. Please don't interpret it that way. Like Aid, I am too lazy for it all or don't have the patience. I'd rather reserve my energy for the more tactile aspects of photography. From my eye to a print, without electronics, save maybe an in-camera light meter. I don't know anything and by no means an authority. It's just because it's more human and I like the limitations. If you'd like to see where I'm at in the process, I keep a digital photo log of sorts on Tumblr, uh, which is um, tumblr.com slash blog slash hey and con, all one word. Um, it also feels cheap, but it's nice to be able to view what worked and what didn't while out of my process. Um, so that's from Andrew Contreras over in Seoul, South Korea. Thank you very much. That's a fantastic email, Andrew. And it's great to get a response to coming months and months after we had the conversation that it is. But, um, because I think I was probably the one actually uh, surprising that it is for me to be complaining about something. But about... Um, people sharing pictures and, and making a point of stating that they are not been no filters, no edits, etc. Because I, I really admit, I don't entirely understand why that's not an important thing to me, but I think Andrew's made a really good um, argument for why it is important to him. Um, and at the end of the day, that's all that really matters, isn't it? I mean, you do the things that you do because it's what, what, makes you feel good about it not just the 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 way that you're doing it but the way that you um share that knowledge with people as well 
What do you think, Aid? Ah, uh, well, yeah, more power to his elbow. Um, I mean, that's that's quite a challenge uh, that Andrew is setting himself there, and uh, I wish him uh, the very best of luck with it. Uh, I reasonably confident that I am lazier than him. Oh yeah, definitely <laughs> for sure. <laughs> No, uh, uh, yeah. Do, do you know what? Um, I I I find myself. I I've been through phases where I get quite um, direct with people about the way they do things. And the more I dig into photography, the more I find out about it, and the more people I meet, especially since we started doing this podcast. Uh, but even before that, but uh, you know the the more I realise that actually um, there isn't a right uh, and there certainly isn't a wrong way of doing these things. Um, you know, if people want to do things a certain way, then absolutely, you know, this is, for for most of us, I think, in, in the little Sunny 16 community, uh, I think most of us are enthusiastic amateurs. This is art, you know, or craft. Um, it's not something that... Um, you know, has a right or a wrong to it. And one of the things that uh, I've mentioned this before, one of the things that attracts me to photography is I I am a a frustrated artist in that I can see things uh, and I can hear things, but I don't have the physical skill to make them happen. So the fact that actually with photography, I can use a machine to help me capture the thing that I can see is, is awesome. You know, um, and, you know, and however other people choose to do that and, and express, you know, capture what they see and to express what they want to express. I think that's a fantastic thing. So, you know, I, I had a little chuckle to myself listening to you read out that email thinking that I, I know you have some very strong opinions about some of these <laughs> things. Um, well done for getting through it without having a tantrum. <laughs> yeah, I you know, I think the thing is, I completely understand um the desire to to not do any editing and stuff like that i completely do and the only bit of it that i suppose i wouldn't even say i wouldn't even go as far as say sits ill with me but um it is the fact that the the need to make the disclaimer saying i i haven't because i kind of think the process shouldn't be the part that we're making a song and dance about and this doesn't just go for this it goes for actually i mean well you mentioned thing last week about my dislike of hashtag in general i do it because i have to but um the end result is the thing that matters um and we, we should be letting that as much as possible do do its own talking um and if if we're going on about well i did this and i did that to it or i didn't do this and i didn't do that it feels almost like well uh, just let the picture let, let people like the picture um for what it is because there, there's one one line in this email um about whether things have been edited i i immediately feel less interested in the image if i know it was um edited and i i don't understand that i'll be honest because how has how has your knowledge change the image it hasn't the image is the image and either either the image was good in the first place or it wasn't good in the first place um what's happened to it before it interacts with your visual cortex shouldn't really matter to you um but it is perhaps another good reason why we 
shouldn't be tagging the living daylights out of all of our pictures or you know, maybe we should all just keep our processes very quietly to ourselves i don't know um but i i think we should do whatever we do things the way we want to do to make us enjoy doing it um and not worry about what everybody else is doing <laughs> and appreciate pictures so when, when are you going to start not worrying about what everybody else is doing then Oh, never. I'm the biggest hypocrite ever. <laughs> Somebody needs to keep an eye on what the rest of the world's up to. I think it forced me to be the arbiter of these things. But um, great email. Also want to say a thank you to Andrew because he did leave us an iTunes review, a uh, very nice iTunes review. And in that iTunes review, he did mention um, he's a big fan of the uh, using his Bronica and his Nikon um, and uh, hopes there'll be more conversations around that kind of thing, um, which is probably a fair point. We've been this last month... We have been very uh, pinhole and um, alt process focused. So I think we will definitely need to get some more chat about perhaps some more um, mainstream cameras and stuff over the next few weeks to get ourselves to balance things out a little bit now that we're past World Pinhole Photography Day. Seems reasonable to me. Yeah, that's right. Let me see. Where are we at with things? I think there was one more. Or was that all of them? Oh, no, there was. Well, of course, there was one more. Because um, it couldn't be an email. So now another one. And this is another follow-up email from Zach Ribbing. He of the horse's head. Um, <laughs> hey there, Graham and Aid. Um, this is, uh, I think, sent after our show with Justin last week. Um uh, another great guest and timely topic too. Last year, I became infatuated with pinhole photography, which quickly led me to sol solograph photography. It was a bit of an obsession for a few months. I was fascinated by the science of how it works and quickly made dozens of pinhole cameras. I researched many individuals' work and wanted to know what the optimal dimensions were for construction. I have never cared about any of those things. <laughs> I just make them and go, well, fingers crossed. Um, the correlation of film size, focal length, pinhole size, and the thickness of the pinhole material was something I found interesting. Out of all the ones I made, my favourite is a hybrid I made with a Bronica 6x7 film back. Being a crafty guy, had all, I had all these wild ideas of how to make a wood box pinhole camera. I wanted to make a good film advanced system and struggled over a good design. One night in my workshop, I was taking apart a broken Bronica S2A in order to use the rollers on my elaborate film advance mechanism. Granted, this would have been great, but labour intensive, with several bugs to work out. Staring at all the parts, it dawned on me, why not just use the film back as the platform for my camera? After that, I built my camera onto a working Bronica GS1 film back. I made it detachable so I can switch out film backs just as I would with my GS1 camera. I can even double expose with one shot on the GS1 and one shot on the pinhole. It's fun. I later realised that several other folks have done similar pinhole cameras on film backs. Online, I made I found a few made to work on the Mamiya film backs and a few others. So while it wasn't a new idea, I'm still really pleased with the way this camera works. Uh, the dimensions, in the interest of sharing what works, with a 6x7 frame, I found a 42mm focal length was optimal, combined with a 0.2mm pinhole, which is a very, very small pinhole. Um, if my math is right, that's that's maths, um, that makes F210. Um, 
that's one of these things. Uh, again, I wish we'd had more time to grill Justin. Making a pinhole 0.2 millimeter small is no mean feat. Um, and I, I would love to know, Zach, get in touch again and let me know how you make your pinholes because um, there's not very many things that are that small. Uh, I bought a set of precision drill bits when I started making stuff and snapped them almost instantly because they're far thinner than pins are. Um, anyway, right now I'm looking forward to wrapping up a six-month solar graph project that I started just before New Year's, so around the same time that Dave should have started his if he had, but he didn't. Um, I made about 20 out of beer cans, film canisters, coffee cans, and various sizes of pipe. Uh, we also have in here an app recommendation from Zach, um, which is nothing asked for and everybody told me to mind my own business, obviously. Um, his favorite is Pocket Light Meter. I use it on an iPhone and it works great for what I do in both pinhole and manual cameras. It has a nice log feature that takes a photo of what you metered on, the settings you dialed in and notes about the photo. Uh, since the log was made on the phone, it also logs location too. Simple, easy and effective. Uh, and finally, a question, um, which you might be able to answer. I think I've already answered it. <laughs> um, I've been wondering about what printers people like, especially printers larger than 8.5 by 11 size. Do you guys do much printing or have any insight on this subject? Take care and look forward to seeing what gets posted for World Pinhole Day. Zach Ribbing. Thank you, Zach. Great email. Many things in there. Um, let's go to the last one first. Aid, printers. Do you have any experience with printers at all? Uh, yeah, but I don't do a lot of printing of photographs. So I don't own particularly... Uh, I mean, I own a, a uh, an Epson printer. I'm sorry, I'm looking at it now. An Epson Expression Photo, which will do uh, A4 size, uh, I think almost edge-to-edge. -edge, but to be honest, I've never really really tested it with printing photographs um anything that sort of size i send out um uh, uh, and uh, uh there's a service in the uk which i typically use uh which is called photobox uh, which is a really really mainstream consumer oriented service uh, but one of the things that they have is that they have uh, an ability to switch off all the automatic enhancement um, uh, algorithms so uh, they print what you send them um, so yeah. I've never I've never felt the need because I wouldn't print enough uh, I wouldn't print enough big images uh, to warrant the purchase of a printer and and at the expense of all that ink drying up that you were talking about earlier. Mm. I, I would be interested because I, I am in the same boat exactly with that. Um, but any of our listeners out there who do own printers and do print off their own photographs, I would I'd be interested to hear what people are using. Um, and what their experience has been like with it because i i would like to do more printing i was talking earlier about how much i love photo albums and uh, it would be great to, to just get more photos done all the time i think if i had one i would certainly print a lot more um but i am a little bit afeard so maybe they're better than they used to be i don't know um okay um the app pocket light meter uh so this is uh, i know there's loads of light meter apps this one is made by um new waste studios is this one you're familiar with aid I don't um, know this yep, is it's the one i use all the time it's excellent uh, um, oh there you go <laughs> so you, you you recommend it then uh i do actually so what it gives you uh just so that people uh you know to, to add a little bit actually uh, to what we heard about it previously 
Um, you have uh, uh, it looks in some ways a bit like a camera app, like a lot of these are light meter apps do, uh, except that it doesn't uh, take a photo. The main fe feature of it is to allow you to calculate exposures. And you've got your shutter speed, your aperture, and your ISO to play around with, and you can lock those and let the other one float around. Uh, it's also a spot meter, so you can move the the spot the the place that it's sensing in the frame of your camera uh, around the place. So you can check different spots in your shot before you shoot, which is nice. And it has a button uh, called log. Uh, and what that does is it, it takes a photo uh, and then allows you to input some descriptive text alongside it and it saves the two together as a JPEG in your camera roll. Um, and idea. so if I have a quick look, because I've been using it this weekend for the pinhole stuff. Uh -huh. So it shows you, so you get a little JPEG uh, where it shows you what was on the screen at the time, uh, where you were exposing. Um, and it showed, tells you what the exposure readings were that you had that you'd set up. So ISO, in the case of the one I'm looking at, ISO 400 F128, um, time 1.6 seconds. And it gives you a date and timestamp as well. That's really good. So I suppose you can get your EXIF data as it was. Um, no, that seems very useful because it's one of those things that I always struggle a bit with. So if you um, imagine having this, I mean, I've got a couple here now from yesterday uh, and I will, in the fullness of time, get the pinhole exposures back. And I will have an ability then to uh, have a, I'll look at the, the pinhole exposure and I'll understand what I'll, I'll be able to see immediately what went well and what went badly with it. And then I'll be able to go and check that against, essentially, as you say, the, the EXIF data for it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. It is available on um, Android as well, although um, I'm not sure whether it's quite as good on Android as it is on the iPhone. Um, I'm having a very quick look at the reviews on the uh, Android store, and yeah, I, I'm not sure it works quite as well with the Android system uh, as on the... Um, I mean, that said, I think it's 50 pence, so I may well check it out anyway, because um, the light meter app that I use is... Uh, functional uh, but it's pretty basic and uh, that ability to log stuff um it would be great for cameras where things are a little bit more random it would be really nice to be able to go back and and you know and then i can have things i can copy them from that into my uh photo memo book that i got from mike padua um and it would be a whole system obviously i'm never going to do any of these things but we can dream can't we right so uh, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it it you know it it doesn't do any more than a photo book from Mike would do. <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, but it it gives you an opportunity to to capture a bunch of spot metering points ar uh, around uh, an exposure and just see what's what. And it's kind of it it it's um it's great, and I've used it because you know I'm very new to pinhole. I don't have the confidence of somebody who's done it a long time to just go, oh yeah, I'll open it for a while and I'll shut it when I finish my cup of tea. You know, um, <laughs> That's exactly what I was doing <laughs> last week when I was on the photo. I was going. Ah, it feels like about now is probably right. <laughs> See if anything comes out. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I'm not there yet with pinhole. So if for me, it's a bit of a uh, a comfort blanket, if you like. Um, uh, I will say though, on on iOS, uh, it gets oh a measly two and a half stars. Actually, I think oh, it's really? been through some user interface changes that some of the older users, uh, the, the earlier users, I should say, didn't like so much. And it picked up a few bad reviews because of that. Um, I find it the only thing that's wrong with it for me is that sometimes it's a little bit slow to react uh, when you uh, change what it's looking at. 
Um, but you know, you give it a second and it will start whirring its wheels around on the screen and it'll give you the exposure. So as long as you're not in a massive hurry, it's, it's great. Yeah, no, that's good. I'll check that one out because um, a good metering app is always a useful thing to have. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And um, and the Zach sent some pictures of his uh, camera he made as well. It looks great. Zach's clearly a lot better at making things than me because his camera is made with wood and screws and stuff like that, as opposed to copious amounts of gaffer tape. Um, and uh, well, it's mostly just gaffer tape when I make cameras. So, um, yeah, very cool. Very cool. So thank you very much, Zach, for that email. And thank you very much, everybody else who sent in an email this week. It was great. Please do keep your emails coming in to sunny16podcast at gmail.com. Um, we are always very happy to get them. Um, and we will read them out and talk about them on the show and um you know if we get enough we might do another bulk email thing in the future it all depends on what we get coming in so um yeah email in with whatever you're up to if you've got any questions or anything you like we just love to hear from you guys Okay, that set of emails, absolutely awesome stuff. Thank you ever so much, everybody who's written in. Uh, fantastic to get some longer form communications uh, that we can chat about. Uh, always happy to receive those. Um, we are fairly near the end of our show now. So uh, some shout outs from me. Uh, I think Graham's pretty much spent. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, before, um, oh, just no, maybe one not. thing. <laughs> no, 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 this is just one very quick thing. Um, so, um, Worldwide Pinhole Photography Day has just happened. Um, I haven't yet. I, I, a few people shared pictures of the cameras they've made. I certainly saw a couple, um, but we will have a final look at that because there weren't very many. So, I'm, I'm going to leave it open for another week. If you made a camera, a pinhole camera for World Pinhole Photography Day, let us know by email or instagram or twitter or something and next week we'll have a look at the ones we've got and and pick a winner from that lot but as i said at the moment i have a feeling that there are two two or three that i've seen so the numbers are small so if you made one please do share that with us absolutely cool all right okay so a couple of thanks from me first of all um i would like to say thanks to m from emulsive film um he contacted me a little while ago and said i've got a yashika doing the rounds would you like a play and i said oh yeah please and uh, what i now have in my possession is a yashika mat 124g tlr uh, medium Very format nice. tlr that's awesome that's it is actually awesome. I've, i i stuck a roll of film in it and uh, i what i didn't realize at first actually is it has a light meter in it as well so that's good it's got a, a match needle system and uh you know you can and it's got a <laughs> i love i love it when dlrs have a sports finder <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it's got a sports finder it's got a magnifier it's got a decent ground glass it's got uh, uh you know I, I haven't seen any photos from it yet but i'm told it's got a nice lens it's got a a, a metering system that's reliable and allows you to match the needles the aperture needle and the uh shutter speed needle uh and yeah uh good stuff uh thank you very much em for the loan um i'm i've probably only taken half a dozen shots with it so far uh maybe seven or eight um i i'm struggling a little bit with focusing it so if anybody's got any tips on focusing i'd be uh 
very pleased to hear them i think possibly it's because i am a man of in my mid 40s and my eyes don't quite know whether they're long-sighted or short-sighted or not um i I can sympathize with that i went out (laughs) when we went out to take the pictures on 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 this wednesday night with my camera club so the cameras i took with me were my pinhole camera the um the the that's fairly easy to focus, though, to be fair. Yeah, the, the SLR with the few holes poked in it. And the other one was my um, myopic me camera, which, again, focusing, not a problem. But the, the mistake I made was I was wearing my contact lenses, and I've really got into the habit when I'm out and about with my short-sighted camera is just looking over my glasses to see, is that a picture? Will that work? Because I can just look over Erica, yeah, that will work. You can't look over the top of contact lenses, and I kept trying to all evening. I can't, I can't make the world blurry. This is terrible. Um, anyway, back to what you were saying. So yeah, so I've been trying sort of holding it at different distances from my face and and uh, and stuff like that. Uh, so if anybody's got any tips on how to focus a TLR. Uh, uh, you know, I'm sure uh, younger people than I would find no difficulty at all and potentially older people than I that have already made the compromises of getting things like bifocal glasses would probably be fine mm. uh, but I struggle a little bit so help please uh, right the other person I would like to say thank you to uh, actually we men- I mentioned him earlier very briefly is Rob Hawthorne um, first of all, uh, a bit of a shout out to Rob uh, because he, for World Pinhole Day, turned a whole room of his house into a pinhole camera. Awesome. Which is pretty awesome. Um, uh, he called it um, a spare room format camera. <laughs> Uh, which I thought was a good naming system as well. I said to him, it's lucky you didn't put it in the master bedroom. But hey, um, he had... Uh, so if you check out... Uh, I think he posted it on Twitter. So he's Rob Shoots Film on Twitter. Uh, and you'll see that he, he turned a whole room into a camera obscura, basically, using a pinhole, and then videoed it using a GoPro. So he got a really, really wide angle that you can see the whole yeah, how it's it's projected onto all the walls of the room. Uh, and he claims that he was directly inspired by our guest from last week, uh, Mr. Justin Quinnell. Doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> so good stuff for that, Rob. And the other thing I was just going to say thank you to Rob for, actually, um, when I met up with him the other day for a pint after work, uh, he did take a photograph of me and he sent me the photograph today. And it's awesome. Uh, it's a, a nice portrait of me sitting outside a pub in the city in the sunshine. Uh, and uh, I just want to say thank you, Rob. That's it, really? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so time to close the show then. Uh, You can get in touch with us on the internet at sunny 16 podcast uh, as you know as we talk about frequently it's graham on instagram me on twitter both of us on Flickr. graham at least as the man who tracks the gmail account and neither of us do facebook particularly are there any others that are popular that we don't do Snapchat. Snapchat. <laughs> oh, God, Snapchat. <laughs> uh, what else is popular that we don't do? <laughs> I mean, photography. I mean, well, at least we don't do popular photography. That's an odd thing. I try do. not to do popular <laughs> photography. <laughs> You're telling me I've sold out now. <laughs> okay uh we also like to say thanks to chris at pixelatedphotographer.com for hosting the podcast to bill owens for the show notes look squirrel (laughs) 
and to Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for the music that Graham has been humming and singing all the way through this. Uh, if it doesn't make the edit, maybe I'll put it in uh, the, the post roll. <laughs> <laughs> something for everyone to look forward to absolutely and of course last but very very not least thank you very much to my good buddy graham for having a marvelous weekly chat about photography as we do uh makes the world go round as far as i'm concerned so thank you buddy um and we will see you all uh next week uh have a good week and goodbye bye Gotta get organised. What camera's gonna be best for me to take to centre parks? Aid. I'm gonna do one of those big treetop climb things. So I'm thinking the Bronica for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> um, and if any squirrels come out and attack you, you could just whack them over the head with it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>